0: Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you in the name of Jesus. As we sang the most beautiful name. The most powerful name. The name above all other names. You have exalted that name. Because he humbled himself to the lowest point, you have lifted him to the highest position, Lord. And we come to you in that name. And we pray, Father, this morning, speak to us, Lord. We implore you in his name and we plead his blood over ourselves, over everyone here, everyone online. And we pray, Lord, that He would open our ears. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, open our ears. The blood of Jesus over this place. We cancel out every work of darkness. Every power that opposes the word of God, every spirit of slumber, every spirit of distraction, everything that opposes the king and the kingdom coming, we bind you in the name of Jesus. And we release the word of God and we release God's people. And we pray, Lord, your spirit would speak to us and would cause us to believe, Lord, and cause us to walk in your ways, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We surrender this time and ourselves into the hands. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I think I need to move my podium from the AC. Otherwise I'll be venting like that went. AC and I don't get along well. And my wife knows when the outside temperature is 21, the AC is at 25. For me, AC means actually at conflict with me. I don't get along with that. Okay. And they have put it at 18 if I'm right. That is temperature in Alaska. What is it doing in Hyderabad? Right. So we'll go to the first. As we go to the Word of God, okay. Please remember we are at a we are at I mean we are at a turning point. I don't know which way the world will flip. I still believe God will show mercy and give us a much, much longer time because he's a merciful God. He looks at the world, he sees Nineveh, 120,000 people then who do not know their right hand from their left and animals beside, he says. Because when the judgment comes, everything is destroyed. So he even has mercy on animals. He says, why should an animal die before it's time? Because humans sinned. Okay. So when he looks down at 8 billion, 7 billion, 8 billion people and most of them not saved. And many who haven't even heard about Jesus still believe he will give us more time. But we do not know. Because of the internet, we do not know. Because nobody knows how many people get saved every day. Because it's outside our, our purview. It is solely in the hands of God. There are no crusades taking place anywhere except in US. There are tent meetings going on in places. If in a state they don't allow you, they go to a county which is red where they allow you, they are pitching up their tents and thousands are getting saved. They are moving with their tents into those cities and those towns where they will get permission and people are getting saved. So please remember, Like I said when yesterday, like I said when, sin abounds. Yes, sin is abounding like never before, but grace abounds even more. Persecution is at the worst ever in 2,000 years of the church history, but so is salvation. More people get saved today than ever in human history. So be very, very careful. We do not make judgments, but we are very careful because of the warnings the Lord has given that no man knows the day or the hour. We have been called to watch and pray. So when we are watching, we are not watching Fox News. We are not even watching uh, world events. What we are watching is our own lives in the light of God's word. Yes, we look at the world events and how it tallies with prophetic. But remember, the same prophecies has been interpreted in so many different ways for the past 2,000 years. The first letter in the New Covenant, the letter to Thessalonians, was written because they thought rapture had taken place. And Paul had to write to them, look, guys, I am around. It hasn't taken place yet. Okay, so in the same way, 2,000 years, the same prophecies are being written and being not written, are being interpreted. So we are not looking at, could somebody close that door? Maybe somebody sit there and keep it shut. Yes, yeah, so we will look at Matthew 24, verse 12 first, and then continue from there. <clears throat> because lawlessness will abound. This is talking about the last days. Love of many will grow cold. First Timothy four one. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times some will depart from the faith. Look at these two things love and faith. The Bible says love and faith, and of course hope. These are the three most important things in life. Most important things for a believer in life. And the Bible says the love of many will grow cold and many will depart from the faith or some will depart from the faith. Okay, And these are the two things God tests us, asks us to watch. What do I watch? What is my love level towards God and towards my neighbor? What is my faith level? These are things we need to watch. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul will say, I have kept the faith. At the end of the life, he says, you know what? Lord, you want to check me out? You can check me out. I've finished my race. I have fought the good fight. And I have kept the faith. When it comes to faith, he says, I have kept it. In um, 1 Corinthians 16, and uh, did I give it to you? Yeah. 22, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. So you, this is also Paul. So you know, he says, he loves God and he has kept the faith. You know, at the end of the day, that's all those things matter. <laughs> Nothing else matters. At the end of the day, if Jesus were to come today or you were to die today, whichever is, whichever is, you meet the Lord. All the things that matter is, then hope doesn't matter. <laughs> Hope doesn't matter, because hope is connected with the future. Faith and love is what he's testing. He's not judging our hope. He does not judge our hope. He judges our faith, and he judges our love. So watch these two things. And we know we have looked at um, faith. We have looked at faith over several weeks. But today, I want to look at love. The Bible talks about a love that never fails. Now we all love, we all think we have love, we all think we are lovable and we are loving, but there is only one love, the Bible says, that never fails, never fails. We've been saturated with the false, that we do not know the genuine. Yesterday there was a question about a young man asking from North India. So many proposals have come. And he has these conditions. And there is one proposal that is meets with the condition he is looking for in a girl. The only issue is she is not good looking. So he has this issue that if he marries her, will that love be very platonic? The first answer is that platonic is from the world. It is from Plato. It is not from Christ. The second thing is that we've been bombarded with the outside. The world only talks about everything that is outward. Looks, color, height, weight, sight, everything. Through it all. It only talks about that, the world. It never talks about the inside person. So what happens is that we do not know how to love. We do not know how to love. No, We do not know how to love. So even if you have the person God has chosen for you sitting next to you, and if that doesn't fit into the pattern the world has sold into us, we do not hear from God. We do not hear from God. I was telling yesterday, Isaac never saw Rebecca, but that was the girl that was picked for him. And the first thing, the only thing the Holy Spirit tested about is her heart. Did she have the heart that God is looking for? Is she a giving woman? That's what was tested. The fact, she was good-looking is an aside. It's an aside. But on the other hand, when Jacob fell in love, he fell in love. She was good-looking. And he did not like the girl who was not good-looking. And that good-looking girl did not have a good heart. And she brought him misery all the days she lived. And God, in his mercy, took her off early. But the one who was not good-looking was with him all the days of his life. And ultimately she was, she she did not get him in life, but she got him in death. They were buried together while Rachel was buried separately. So get these pictures, get these pictures. And men and women get these pictures. The problem with men is that modern women, they also have this picture. So even when they get a Christian girl, they want her to look like the world. That's heard. Women say, my husband likes me dressed this way. The same thing also about girls. Guy may be very conservative. Simple guy. The minute you are married, you take him shopping. And change his outer appearance to fit into the image. Okay, I married you. Now I am going to change you. Be very careful about these things. Ultimately, it will destroy your marriage because you were. I was telling yesterday, ask any married person sitting over here, men or women, ask any of them. Within the first few weeks of your marriage, you actually forget what your spouse looks like. The only thing that matters is what is he or she inside. And if the person inside is not beautiful and kind and calm and firm, and righteous it doesn't matter how great he looks outside he's just a shopping item you take him out or you take her out and the world says wow you got a pretty girl or a handsome husband you only live on compliments but you don't live life so get these pictures very very clearly because sometimes the greatest deception is within the church because the people in the world cannot be deceived because they are already deceived but people within the church get deceived. That's why we need to get these pictures very, very, very right. Okay. So even if you're good looking and somebody says you're good looking, praise God, but work on your heart. Work on your heart. Okay. Because next month I'm doing a seminar for another country on Zoom and they want two days on, uh, marriage. You won't understand. It's in another language. Okay. So there are pictures in the Bible. There are pictures in the Bible. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, it says, For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, I'm not talking about marriage today, okay? I'm not talking about, so don't get excited. I'm not talking about marriage today. I shall talk about love today, the love that does not fail. But you see, even when he's talking about marriage, everything that is there in the Bible, it is about Christ and the church. It's about Christ and the church. So when you're looking at a marriage, remember the marriage on earth is a picture of the relationship of Christ and his bride. Christ and despite. and one of the things is that people are dissatisfied in their marriages because they know this is not real. There is something that is real, and it seems my marriage does not seem to be fitting into that picture. Because you know what? There is a picture. There is a true picture that is Christ, and that's why the Bible does not speak to you anything about how Christ looks. And he walked on out. Do you know how he looked? Do you know how tall he was? Do you know the color of his hair or his eyes? Don't look at the Jesus movie. Hmm. Do you know anything about you? But do you really know the person? Yes. You know the person. He was the kindest and the toughest, both, man who ever walked on earth. He was patient. He was long-suffering. He loves the church unconditionally. He goes all the way for his bride. You look at the person. Don't get your picture from Hollywood movies. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know what he looks like. But we know what his heart looks like. And that's what... God is talking about. So these pictures are there. So when the Bible talks about marriages, when the Bible talks about a woman, about a woman in the Bible, okay, this woman and this men are all pictures or types of Christ or the church, what the church should be. So we are not studying characters. We are looking into that, the spirit of Christ, how he worked in people, and we get a picture of the character. Because... The the issue is that in the last days, everything will be aimed at the believer's faith and his love. Because if our faith can be shaken, and our love for God can be shaken, everything can be shaken. You will get worn out. Right? Alistair MacLean, if I'm right, wrote a novel called Night Without End. And sometimes days are like that, right? Days are like that. In Acts chapter 27 and verse 20, when they were caught there for weeks and floating in the ocean, remember it has no mortar, it is sails, and sails are dependent upon wind, and there is no wind. They're just floating in the ocean, going nowhere, going nowhere. I mean, for those people who have gone or seen the ocean, gone in the ocean, you no, know, I don't like the ocean, the ocean is the desert with water. Everywhere you look, it is the same. and It's endless. And that's where they are. Now neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days. No small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. And sometimes life feels like that. It's a grind. Nothing seems to be changing Morning wakes up, it's the same day. No, Tuesday is the same day. Wednesday, nothing seems to be happening in your life. Nothing seems to be changing. The problems are the same. The agony is the same. Nothing seems to be changing. And you know, and when things like that happen for the believer, to hang on to your faith, hang on to your faith, hang on to your love for God. And I think about Richard Wumran and all. First time, I think it was eight years in solitary confinement in a prison. The second time, we released, arrested again within a few months, put again for six years, fourteen years. Day without end, night without end. Comes out stronger and kinder, more loving and more passionate for God and man than evermore. How did they survive? So there is something that is genuine. That it does not matter. There is neither sun nor stars. That's how they lived. They were in solitary. They never saw the sun they never saw the stars. Sometimes they did not know whether it was day or night. Day or night. And yet they managed to pass the gospel across. Because in these cells, they started teaching the person on the other cell language through knocks. And then gave the gospel and hope across with your knuckles. Passing the gospel with your knuckles. Even though you cannot speak. Because the gospel of God cannot be stopped. You can stop it if you want. But it is never stopped. Was cannot stop it. Dispensations cannot stop it. Governments cannot stop it because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, both for the Jew and for the Greeks. So please remember, days will go like this. It will get grinding. If we know how the lockdown was, but God was there with us. You know why? Because that was the Sunday where Jivan Jyoti needed this hall. So we had to move to that uh, hall in second rabat, has hall in, uh, in second rabat. So we had to move all our equipment there. And Sammy thought, I will take it to the office because service is over, and bring it back in the week. But Monday lockdown began. So we were in the church office with all the requirements and for the next six months without fail, one year now, day and night we could preach. Because we were shut in there, we had the equipment there and we decided we are going to preach. We didn't go, Pastor Vijay and I, Dr. Richard, Sammy and Peter. Uh, We were there for how many days it was? 65 days, we didn't go. We didn't go anywhere. We stayed there and we preached. And in this one year, we have reached more people in more nations than all our years put together. All the years put together. The number of people we could reach out, the number of pastors, the number of churches. You have to see the letters I get. That people in the world in us cannot believe that there is a church in india that ministers seven days a week and prays for them seven days a week because if that nation goes down we all go down not necessarily god can still amen I God's ways we do not understand. So please remember, everything works for our good. Even if there is another lockdown, I pray there is no other lockdown. You know, it'll be day without end, night without end. You no, know? you go through year after year after year. What will sustain you? Will your love grow cold? Has wickedness is increasing, evil is increasing, lawlessness is increasing, this absolute confusion in the world, total confusion in the world. Will your love grow stronger? Will your faith grow stronger is a question God asks. So I want to look at, we looked at this person many years ago, but we will look at her once again. Yesterday we were looking at an unnamed woman, a Sunamite woman. All right? It's a picture of a church or a parent, a father or a mother who refuses to give up. And she gets her child back. A child that had died, she pursues after the prophetic, she clings to the prophet's feet, causes him to come after her, and she gets her son back. That was a Sunamite woman. Listen to that if you didn't do it. Didn't listen, it was there yesterday. Today, we will look at a woman. If there is one woman, about whom the Bible, not the Bible talks about, where it says love never fails, if it could fit to one person other than Jesus Christ, it should be this woman. It's a love that moves the heart of the king and the heart of God. And you know what? Only one line is mentioned about what she did. Only one line. Only one line about her, what she did, which moved God's heart, moved the king, moved the nation. One line. Just one line. But what a line about her. Okay, so let me give you the background. The background is Joshua and Israel has entered into the promised land. And they're winning their battle. They lost one battle, not because the enemy was strong, because because they had sin in the camp. Once that was put it right, it was just like Hitler's, <laughs> not comparison is wrong, but the movement of Hitler's Panzer units through Europe in the beginning of the war, unstoppable, or like Napoleon's army, unstoppable. Nobody could stop the Israelites. It didn't matter how huge, how big their enemy was, they were defeating them left, right, and center. And the enemies knew there was no way they could defeat them. So one set of people decided to play, not play, save their own lives. These were the Gibeonites. They dressed themselves as they were coming from far away. They carried food that was old, molded. They said, we have come from far away. Can we have a treaty with you? And the Bible says, let's go there. Joshua chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. That was the first mistake they made. They did not ask the counsel of the Lord. They ate. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. The whole eldership gathered. Joshua made a covenant with them. They all swore in the name of Yahweh. Yes, you can live with us. You are not our enemies. Then later they find These guys are not from far away. They are from very close. But you cannot break the covenant. Once the covenant is made, you cannot break. Let's look at the subsequent verses. But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord of God. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live. Let wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. So you need to realize. A covenant, once you make, it's ratified by the eldership in the name of God. God says, okay, I told you not to do that. But you did it in my name. Now it stands. You cannot break it. You cannot break it. It stands. You cannot break it. Okay? That's why marriage is a covenant. Better or? Worse. In riches or? I don't know what prosperity people, when they get married, do they say worse and poverty? Because in their theology, it is not there, right? Sickness and in, but they don't believe in sickness also. But that's, that is it. That is the covenant. Okay, that's the covenant. It's a covenant. You cannot break it. You cannot break it. It's a covenant. Okay. So let us now go to... Today's portion, Second Samuel chapter 21 verses 1 and 2. Hundreds of years have passed since this happened. Joshua is dead. The period of judges are over, 450 years. The judge of Samuel is also over. Saul is also over. David is towards the end of his reign. So at least, I don't know how many, uh, 600, 700 years are over. But the covenant still stands. Covenant is not forgotten. You may forget it. God does not forget. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years. Year after year. And David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered. It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house. Because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not the children of Israel, but one of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. This is what we call religious zeal, not spiritual. Not in religious zeal, we will, we will do stupid things. Zeal of a religious man. Okay, You know what? He break the, broke the covenant. And he killed many given Gibeonites. And now the sin is visiting them. Saul is dead. David is ruling. Now you should, why should it happen? Isn't David a good king? God says it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So principle, first principle for today. Okay. Note it. God keeps a record of unconfessed, unrepented sins, which you do after you are Born again. When you're born again, all your past sins. Yes, young men who are sitting there are nicely nodding off. That's why I ask you to bring your diary and your pen so that you don't sleep. Shouldn't be sitting there like tourists. You don't come to church for sightseeing. You come to church to learn. Okay, don't sleep. So there you have first principle. God keeps a record of unconfessed, unrepented sins, which you do after you were born again. That's why the Bible demands that we repent and we confess. In 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, on the other hand, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Otherwise, please remember, unconfessed, Unrepented sins will follow us to the grave and meet us at the judgment seat and eat off our rewards. Unless it's a sin that leads to death. Okay? Please remember that. Don't take it lightly. Take it seriously. How many years have passed after the oath was made? 700, 800, doesn't matter. It still stands. And when it is broken, the consequences follow. The only way out is, you repent, you confess, and if the restitution has to be made, make restitution, and it is. Unconfessed sins are uncovered. Confessed sins are covered. Remember that. The blood of Jesus does not cover sins that are not confessed. We are not talking... Put salvation here. When you come to salvation, when you repent, when you believe in the Lord, you have an absolutely new beginning. All things have passed away. We are talking about post-salvation. That's our race. We are in the race. And our, all of our problems are post-salvation. Okay? So please remember. The solution. Please understand. Human nature does not change. Understand that. The solution, the Gibeonites, David decided, okay? Human nature does not change. Please remember that. That's why we are called to die to ourselves, not try to improve the old man. The old man cannot be improved. He is like his old father, the devil. He's a thief, he's a deceiver, he's a slanderer, he's a murderer. He's all that. It does not change. So you look at... What they say the solution is. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? The Gibeonites said to him, we will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house. Nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, whatever you say, I will do for you. You see, they're very smart. They will say, oh no, no, we don't want gold or silver. Nor do we want you to kill any man in Israel. We do not want you to kill uh, any man in Israel. So he said, whatever you say, I will do for you. What does he say? Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from the remaining in any of the territories of Israel. Let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, and whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. The first him to swear, whatever you say, I will do. This is the Gibeonites. They will same thing. Seven hundred years have passed. Eight hundred years have passed. The nature has—they're still deceivers. They're still deceivers. Need to realize our old, never nature. So don't go and think I can polish my old nature and will become a better person. God doesn't do that. He doesn't reform the old man. He puts to death the old man. He has given birth to a new man that is what salvation is religion just polishes the old man but god gives birth to the new man complete the old man nature is like that he's still deceiving and the Gibeonites are still deceiving and what do they ask they said give us seven sons of saul any of his descendants seven of them and we shall hang them second point Third point, first is that God keeps a record of unconfessed sins. Second one, your old nature never changes. So be very, very careful. Never rely on your old nature. There is no self-improvement program in the kingdom of God. Because the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, the old man. Third thing, please note, sin is not a solitary abuser. Let me explain to you. No one sins alone. Young men, young ladies, no one sins alone. And no one reaps the consequences of their sins alone. A drunkard or an alcoholic can cause his generations to suffer, though he drinks alone. can create havoc in his family and generations to come. An addict can cause agony and shame and pain to all around him, his family. And if he's an adult, like an alcoholic, he can destroy his family too, and his generations too. So please remember, and to young people sitting here, men sitting here and listening. Pornography. If you're young, unmarried, or married, hooked onto pornography. If you're unmarried, you're sowing the seeds to destroy your marriage. Okay? Sowing the seeds to destroy your marriage. If you're married, you're sowing the seeds to destroy your marriage. More than that. By indulging in pornography, you're keeping an industry alive that takes into slavery, 21st century human slavery, hundreds and thousands, millions of innocent young girls and boys who are kidnapped because you keep that industry alive. No one sins alone. You may think, nobody sees me, nobody watches me, nobody is aware. But you are part of the problem. You are not part of the solution. Part of the problem. Okay. Please remember these things. The same thing is true about prostitution. That's a multi. Pornography and prostitution are multi. Billion industries run by gangs and the mafia around the world. And everybody has a hand in it, from politicians to law and order enforcement people. Everybody is involved in this whole thing. I'm not saying all of them, but many of them, because it's big money. But remember, are you a part of the problem? Are you a part of the solution? Because no one sins alone. It's one of the lessons you learn. Saul must have killed, but already the nation has gone through three years of famine. How many died during the famine? We do not know. And seven of his sons are going to die, because no one sins alone. Keep these things in mind. These are serious things. You know, we all have sinned in so many different ways, and we thought it didn't affect anybody. It affected so many people. That's why we need to go back to God, and the only answer to that is the blood of Jesus. Every time we understand the 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 intensity and the effect and the consequences of sin, we will thank God for Jesus. We will thank Him for His blood. Otherwise, we would have no way out, no way out. Okay, Proverbs sixteen twenty. He who heeds the word wisely. Oh, okay. Let's leave that aside. I think I got it wrong. Okay. It is it is where it says gossip divides even friends. You may think that gossip is such a small thing. <laughs> it is not a small thing. Gossip has destroyed even the closest friends. A slander, a gossip. Destroyed friendship, destroyed homes, destroyed churches, destroyed nations. Okay. You must have just passed on some news without verifying it. Okay, sixteen twenty-eight. So my 8-0 became eight became zero. And a whisperer which separates the best of friends. Whisperer. So be very careful. Be very careful. Because we ignore these little little things and say, "Oh, I just ca- I just casually mentioned it," but you saw destruction in somebody's life so everything has its own consequences that's what i said no one sins alone no one sins alone the bible talks about sloth laziness one person's laziness one person's laziness affects the entire national economy because you did not give what you are supposed to give to the national economy because you are lazy Not only that, you are now eating off the hard work of others when you did not put anything in. That's why we have to teach our children not to be lazy. As they grow up, do your chores, do your chores, do your chores. Hard work, hard work. Otherwise, you will end up like the way us is going. Everything, anybody who gives you free, you will vote for them. You are destroying a nation because nations, powerful, strong, prosperous nations are built on hard work and thrift and stewardship of resources, both human and material. So if you are a lazy person, you have already invested in the destruction of your nation, your home, your life. God does. There will be, I will promise you, in heaven there will be no lazy people. Because the father and the son are at work from the beginning and are still at work. And work was instituted before the fall because God is a worker. He's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. So learn to work hard. Hard work has never killed anybody. But laziness has. Okay, So please remember, no one sins alone. And the wages of sin is still death. Taxing changed. One way or other, something or somebody dies. Wages of sin is still a death. Okay? So we saw that. Okay, we saw that. Now we'll go to verse 8 and 9. 2 Samuel 21. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizvah, the daughter of Ayah, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel. It's her adopted children. The son of Berzelai, the Meholite. Actually, it is Merab's daughter, sons, her elder sisters. Okay. So what happens is, seven sons, five sons of his daughter, uh, of his daughter Saul's daughter, and two sons of his concubine. Seven sons are taken. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites. And they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together. And they were put to death in the days of the harvest. In the first days. In the beginning of the barley harvest. So there you see a picture. A scaffold. Probably we do not know which way it is. Seven sons of the king hanging over there. You know why? Because the grandfather sinned. The father sinned. And seven sons are hanging. Okay? Please remember this. These things are important. Wages of sin is all still death. In between there's a verse. One of the two sons' names are given. One is Armani, one is Mephisoboth. But these are Rispah sons. But verse seven says something. But the king spared Mephisoboth, the son of Jonathan. So there are two Mephisoboth's. He spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So, so covenants still matter. One boy named Jonathan escapes. Sorry, Mephibosheth escapes. One boy or one man called Mephibosheth is hung. There are two Mephibosheths. One is hung, one escapes. One, why does one escape? Because... There is a covenant between the king and his father. Which Mephisattva do you want to be? The one who escapes or the one who is hung? So, covenants matter. We are part of the new covenant, so we will not hang. If we are not part of the covenant, we will hang. Anyone who does not believe in the son is already condemned. That's what the Bible says. Already condemned to hang. Okay. He didn't do anything to escape, but his father did. He didn't do anything to escape, his father did. His father made a covenant with King David, therefore the son received. See, one generation, seven boys are reaping the sins of his father, while another boy is reaping the righteousness of his father. Both works, Exodus 25 and verse 5 and 6. Right, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children. To the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. So sin will follow. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me. And keep my righteousness and mercy also follows. If you sin against God, consequences follow. If you are righteous... It follows. So Saul sinned against God. His generations. Jonathan made a covenant with David. His son reaped. Them. So there are two mephibosheth. One died. One stayed alive. Not only stayed alive. The one who stayed alive sat at the king's table and ate at all the days of his life. So two mephibosheth, two different ends. Two different ends. So please understand. Obedience also has its rewards. Disobedience also has its consequences. So in this gory scenes, seven sons of the royal family, the first royal family of Israel, they are hanging. Think about the crowds that came. There is anger and there is also jubilation. All of Gibeonites are rejoicing. Oh, Saul's household that killed so many of us. Now we got our revenge. Seven of his best are hanging over there. So, jubilation. The tribe of Benjamin must have been feeling bad. These seven are our boys. Okay. There is crowds, grief, jubilation. Okay. All kinds of mixed emotions. And into this picture comes a woman. Only one line. Verse 10. Now, Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured down from on them from heaven and she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night one mother comes into the picture and one line sums up everything Paul was trying to tell us in 1st Corinthians love 13 verse 4 onwards love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself love is not puffed up can we have subsequent okay it does not behave rudely it does not seek its own it is not provoked it thinks no evil yeah six seven eight does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things Endures all things and it will say love never fails. So let's go back to verse 10. There she is the mother. Okay. And she's a concubine. Okay. It says she sat there on the rock. From the beginning of the harvest. Until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day. Nor the beasts of the field by night. Day and night. When were they hung? When were they hung? Verse 9 tells us when. Beginning of the barley. Ha- when was the bodies finally taken out? After. You know it's six months. It's six months. Roughly six months, five to six months. She sat there. Daytime, the vultures are coming. And she's sitting there. She will not allow a bird to land upon two of her children and five of her nephews. You don't see Michal there. You don't see Merab there. You don't see anybody there. One mother taking care of two of her sons and five of the other boys' bodies. Children are dead. It is sitting there, day and night. The birds by the night, the animals by, sorry, birds by day, the animals by night. Animals come, animals come. You have to read accounts. (laughs) An animal dies in the desert or a camel falls off and dies. Within 24 hours, nothing is left, only bones are left. They have picked them clean. Nothing is left. Vultures come. The animals come. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. All you leave is left is their bones. But you know what? Not on my watch is Rizbah. Day and night. You have to, we have to imagine those scenes. How did she survive? No. First people must have thought she's crazy. And then people must have felt sorry. They must have dropped food for her. But she's not going. She's not going for a haircut. She's not going for a pedicure. She is sitting there and she's living there. And she knows the times of the day when neither the bird or the animal will come and she takes power naps. She takes power naps. And she's awake day and night. Centuries ago, over a thousand years earlier, her forefather, the father of faith, Abraham, when the covenant was being ratified between him and God, had sat over watching the remains of a sacrificial animals. And he had shooed off the birds, but then he fell asleep. But here is his progeny in the promised land, watching over the bodies of her sons day and night without falling asleep, without allowing anything to touch. That is Rispa. In Corinthians 13 and verse 4 says, Love suffers long. Love suffers long. Six months. We get tired over our children who are alive if they keep us awake for a few hours. We say our children don't give us sleep. I'm so tired. I'm so worn out. These are children who are alive who will give you a future. These are children who are dead. Children who are dead. They're never going to come back, but they're still dead. Even though they are dead, they're still children. That's what the Bible says. Love suffers long. Six months, day and night. She must have looked like a mad woman at the end of those six months. It suffers long. You know, that's why I said there are people in the Bible who will give New Covenant people a run for their money. People who complain. My wife is like that. My husband is like that. My children is like that. You know what? This woman has no hope. The husband is dead. Her sons have been taken off. She has nobody. And her sons are hanging there in front of them. Of her. She has no... She cannot invest in their future. But she's fighting for their honor. She's fighting for their honor. You know, my sons... Their bodies are not going to be eaten. She does not have the power to take their bodies down because they have been hung by the command of the king. She does not have the authority to give them a burial because they have to hang there all the days until the king decides. The king has hung them and he has forgotten them. But she hasn't forgotten them. So she can do can do nothing. She just has to sit there and watch. The bodies rot. The bodies stench. They just keep falling. But she will not allow the birds to eat it, nor the animals to eat it. There she sits on watch. Right? That's what she does. Verse 5 of Corinthians 13, it says, It thinks no evil. And I will say, it keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. So it didn't matter to her what people said about them. People will say, "Huh, oh, they deserve to die. Because we remember these boys also were there with King Saul when he was killing the Gibbonites. You deserve eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You need, your father did this to us. You all deserve to die, your hands also. But you know what, love keeps no record of wrongs. It thinks no evil. These are my sons. I couldn't save them from dying. But I will keep fighting for their honor. No. Susan, Naomi and Nathan are fighting for the honor of their dead father. Hats off to them. I admire them. Rabbi Zakk's three children. Fighting for the honor of a dead father. And the wild animals have come out from the secular world and from within the church. Trying to malign a man who is dead. He's dead and gone. He cannot vindicate himself. He cannot do anything. He has already finished his judgment. He's always stood before God. Yet here, wild animals are trying to tear and these three children are trying to defend the honor of their father. People don't leave even dead people alone. Okay. Many years ago, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. The man who was supposedly assassinated was a man called Oswald. And he also was shot dead. We do not know whether he killed, because all the CIA plots, you can never believe who killed who. Because the deep state has been working from those days. But remember, when Kennedy died, there was so much sorrow in U.S. People cried on the street, grieved on the streets, His funeral was such a huge occasion. One seminary student in Texas was going to the cemetery, and over a grave he saw a mother weeping. When she asked who it is, she said, "That is Oswald." Said, "That's my son." The whole world mourned for Kennedy. She mourned for the man who supposedly killed Kennedy. Because why? Still my child. Still my child only when we look into scripture and when we hear these things, we will really realize how much the world has deteriorated. Deteriorated. Love has gone out of the window. We have taken the love that is of the world and we complain because nobody loves us the way the world loves us. Somebody said, the easiest part is begetting a child. The hard part is showing up every day. The easiest part is begetting a child. The difficult part is showing up every day for that child. And here is a mother showing up for the child day and night. Day and night. For children who are dead. No, Our God is an ever-present help. Ever-present help. Now, I know parents will show up day and night to invest in the career of their children. Career of the children. I understand that. It's a good thing. But you, there are expectations in that too. If it was purely without expectations when the children don't end up anything and all, you won't complain. Because why is this woman so important? Because she's going to get nothing out of these children. Nothing out of the children; they are dead. Nothing, and no complaints. Okay, that's what the Bible says. Christ Jesus came and died for us when we were sinners, when we were powerless, and when we were enemies of God. I'm telling you honestly: go through the entire Bible. Where will you see the love of Christ on the cross better than in the life of Rispa? She's mourning and she's watching over seven bodies who can give her nothing. Nothing. They are nothing. They are enemies of the state. They are powerless to save themselves. The world has declared they are sinners. But she says, I love them. So did God. Enemies of the state. Powerless people. Enemies of my father. But Jesus says from the cross, I still love you. So the easiest part is begetting a child. The hard part is showing up every day. You see... This is the heart we need to ask from God. When we talk about love, what love are we talking about? The romantic love in the movies? The love that takes and never gives? The love will stop serving if it doesn't get what it, unrequited love, it says it stops, it's okay, it's over, it's finished. I'm not going to do anything for you anymore. Because you know, you didn't give me credit. That was not love. That was not love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse four, 15, Apostle Paul, For though you might have 10,000 instructions in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ I have begotten you. You know what? He always saw himself as a father, as a parent. He grieved over them, prayed over them, wept over them as a father. In Galatians four nineteen, he says, My little children for whom I labor in birth again, he saw himself as their mother. You know, that's why he was the greatest man. Jesus was born a father and a mother to us. You know, he never quits on us and Paul never quit on him, on them. So there is Rizpah, day and night. Two of our own and five of somebody else. Like I said, there is no mikhal or Merab. <clears throat> you see, we talk about stretch forth, right? Sing. Oh, barren woman, right? Barren woman. In life, God gave her only two children. But in death, God gave her seven. God expanded her heart. To love five, she did not birth. To guard their honor like her own. While the barren woman we call, is nowhere to be seen. Let me ask you this question. Seven were hung. Seven were hung. Do you know the name of the other five? We only know the name of two. Who's that? Armani and Mephisto. You know why? Because her mother stood guard. The names are recorded in God's history. Otherwise, the names would not have been there. You know why the other five names are not in God's history? Because a mother was absent. The mother was absent. She was not there. Two names we know. Seven people were hung. We only know the names of two people recorded there. You know why? Because that mother washed over the dead bodies of her two sons. But the mothers of the other five were missing. Missing. There are so many missing fathers and mothers who do not fight for the souls of their children. They invest in the destruction of their children. They are missing in action. They are not investing in their life. They are investing in their death. In their destruction. And that's what God is asking. It's a love that never fails. will always fight for what is right. And what is right in God's eyes is the honor of these children. My sons need a decent burial. And you know what? Until that happens, I'm going to watch over them. Rispa. In palace politics, in the beginning she was just a pawn. Why? Because she was just a concubine. She's not a wife, she was a concubine. King can pick anybody as his concubine. And concubine is not even recognized. Her children are not equal to the sons of the wives. But in this story, she becomes like Deborah, a warrior. Deborah is one line. I, Deborah, the mother arose in Israel. 40,000 men without spear or shield. Village life had ceased in Israel and I, Deborah, a mother arose. Seven boys hanging on the scaffold and I, Rispa, a mother arose. She was a mother. In life she was a concubine, but in this battle she actually becomes a regal. She is the queen. Fighting for the honor of our children. This is the fundamental things which we have to learn in life. Because a lot of people ask One of the questions I get regularly by mail or call or anything, Pastor, I want to know my purpose. The purpose is, do what you can do in your situation. And leave the rest to God, what you cannot do. There were things which she could not do. She could not bury her children. She could not bring them out. She does not have the power or the authority. Only thing she could do was watch over them. Once our children are grown, we can't do anything. We can't do anything. We can't watch their movements. We cannot control their movements. We do not know whether they are going to college or not, whether they are studying or not, the company they run with. Even if they tell us, they will not tell us the whole truth, who their company is, where they are drinking, where they are smoking, where they are eating doing grass. What they are doing, we will never know. But there is something which we can do. We can watch in our prayer closet over them, day and night. In the eyes of the world, they are dead. But God says there is a love that watches over dead people too. The prodigal son, the father said he was dead. He was dead. He said it, he was dead. And I believe the father and the mothers never stopped watching out for them. They couldn't see him. As far as they were concerned, he was dead in his trespasses, in his sins. They wouldn't fund his sin. But they stood watching day and night. So one day he comes back. And they say, My son is alive. My son is alive. Riswa. You see, change begins with one person. Always looked in history. Change begins with one person. You will see the end of the story is fantastic. And you know why it happened? Because one woman refused to give up. She knew what she couldn't do. So she did what she could do.
1: It's as simple as that. She
0: did what she could do. And she became the change. She became the change. So you can be either the problem or you can be the solution. There are problems in the world. There is the problem of drug addiction. There is a problem of alcoholism. There is a problem of prostitution. All these are national problems. And this is a national sin called abortion. Where the womb has become the tomb. The most dangerous place for a child in a christian nation especially gentile nations are more tolerant these are problems what can you do in these problems say you know, i will do what i can do in these problems i can be either be part of the problem or i can be part of the solution okay. a football team was playing and the first half they were losing very badly before the second half, halftime, the coach called them all and said, there are two boxes there. Go, look in the box, first box and second box, and go back to the field. Each of the players looked into the box, looked in the second box, and what? Second half, they played like crazy and they won the match. So people asked, what was in the box? There was nothing in the box. In the first box, there was a mirror. In the second box, there was a mirror. To each one that it was written, you can be either the problem or you can be the solution. That's all. You can be either the problem or you can be the solution. The question is, we are called to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Part of the problem. Like I said, she could not save her sons from death. She could not bring their bodies down. Because of the king's command. But she was determined to do one thing that she could do. No bird or animal is going to defile the dead bodies of my boys. Okay. Verse 11. And David was told. It took six months. From Gibeah, the news to reach Jerusalem. And then from Jerusalem to reach the king's palace. From the king's palace to the king's ears. Things don't reach easily. The king only hears what his counselors want him to hear. Kings don't hear everything. So kings has their own spice to bring reports to them. Because he doesn't trust his counselors. It took six months, five months, six months. And the scripture says, David was told what Rispa, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done. The report reached the king. Thank God he's a righteous king and his conscience was stricken. Conscience was stricken. Okay. So don't give up. Maybe five months, or six months, thirteen, ten years, eighteen years. We don't know. Don't give up because it will one day reach our king's ear. It has already reached. But the time will come for the king to move on our behalf. People give up. That's why the Bible says love never fails. Love never fails. When you know something is right. When you know something is according to God's word. When you know something is true according to words God. Don't give up. People fight for things which are wrong in God's eyes. They are very persistent in these things. But when it comes to things which are true in God's sight. They don't fight for it. That's why Jesus says about the. The widow, persistent widow about prayer. How she went over and over to an unjust, just, finally he was so frustrated he gave her demand. And Jesus says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith? What is he talking about? The faith that never gives up. So there's a faith that never gives up. More than that, there's a love that never gives up. Even where faith fails. Faith fails. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but in this case the children are dead. You're not hoping them for a resurrection here. So where faith stops, love still continues. That's what the Bible says in Song of Solomon. Love is as strong as death. But in New Covenant, love is stronger than death because love overcomes death also. Overcomes death also. So David heard. and verse 12 onwards, Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Gabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them up after the Philistines had struck down Saul in Gilbo. He brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there. They gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin in Zela, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all the king commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. You now what he did? Because this woman stood her ground, it is just not that the seven boys got a decent burial. David remembered Saul and Jonathan's bodies are still lying where it was buried years ago. Because of this thing, it had a cumulative effect. He sent soldiers to dig up all the bones of Saul's family. Saul and Jonathan, his sons, and the seven Together they were all buried in the tomb of Saul's father, Kish. You see, that's how movements begin. Movements begin because one person stood in the gap, in the breach and said, you know what, I cannot change everybody, but you know what, I will be the change. Every movement began that way, including India's freedom movement stood because one man called Mohanjas Karamchand Gandhi decided, you know what, I will be the change. I will be that person. It became a national movement. Nelson Mandela became a national movement. Martin Luther King Jr. No, He became that person. And God says, you can be. Whatever, in your small, you don't have to be a national hero. You just will be the change in my own area. But for that, you need to have a faith that doesn't give up. And a love that does not give up. We quit so easily. We quit so easily. The sad thing is the church is full of quitters. Quit on things that are godly, that are eternal. And here is a wife or a mother who refused to quit. All the family of Saul, the royal, there was a royal funeral. A royal funeral. Okay. And David himself is there. He gave a royal command. Dig up everybody's bones and bring, take to their father's grave and give them a royal funeral. You know why? Because a woman who had no worth when she was living, a concubine, stood her ground. And that's why I said this is uh, one line. It's a very important line. Very important line. We see, in the Bible, we see great men. We talk about Joshua. And we talk about Joshua. What is that thing we always think about Joshua? The greatest thing Joshua did is that boy, he stopped the sun. right? everybody knows. He stopped the sun and the moon in the courses. Or rather, the earth was stopped. Whichever way you want to look at it, scientifically or scripturally. He stopped the sun and the moon. When you think about Elijah, what is the greatest thing that Elijah did? He brought fire down. He locked up heavens for three and a half years. One man locked up three and a half years, right? This guy stopped the sun and the moon. Read the last words, verse 14. Seven boys have been hung. The demand of the Gibeonites have been met. Six months are over. The heavens is locked up because of a woman stands in the gap for her children. Until my sons go down, it's not going to rain. It is not going to rain. The Bible says, then God heeded the prayer of the land. It's not going to rain. It ain't going to rain. We are talking about the rain of the Holy Spirit. We are talking about the latter and the former rain together. We are talking about the rain that will bring revival and restoration. It is not going to happen when the fathers and the mothers start standing up in the gap for their children. It's not going to happen. A generation that has gone dead. They dead, are dead in their hearts. They are dead in their minds. They have no interest for God. At all. If this was made voluntary, that you really do not have to come. You have absolute freedom to do what you want. And we will not come after you. Half these young people won't be here. They are dead. Whether they are baptized or not, they are dead. and We are asking for rain. It is not going to happen. And the vultures of this world and the animals of this world are after them, eating their flesh of day and night. And we are more worried about their career. More vultures are waiting. More animals are waiting. We are hoping for them to get into one of these big companies where they will be made to work 16 hours a day for which they sniff dope so they can have energy to work even more. Because they will bring a fat salary. The kind of pressure these people put through. Living on caffeine pills. What we do to prostitute our own children. Because we want a name. And here is a mother standing day and night watching over the dead bodies of her children. And locked up heavens. That's what God is talking about. Until my sons get a burial. This is gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. We need to be very, very careful about what are we waiting for. We want rain to come. We want rain to come. We want God to follow. There are things which need to be done. First remember, first thing we looked. Unconfessions are still uncovered. There will be famine in the land year after year after year after year after, year after because we violated the covenant. And covenant still stands. It doesn't matter how many years ago the covenant was made, the old new covenant was made 2,000 years ago, between God and man through his son Jesus Christ. It still stands. 2,000 years ago does not mean the covenant conditions are. If you confess, God is faithful. If you don't confess, God is still faithful not to forgive you. It still stands. The first block is that. First block is that. Second, deceivers are still there. The old man is still deceitful. They will look in your face and say, I don't drink. They will look in your face and say, I don't smoke. Look in your, so I was at college the whole day when they were in the movie theater. No, I don't have a girlfriend when they have three. They will tell all these things right in the face, right after baptism. They will say all these things. You know why? The Gibeonites are still Gibeonites. The old nature cannot be changed. There is no reformation for the old man. There is only one sentence for the old man. He has to be put to death. He will lie. He will cheat. He will steal. He will kill. He will murder. He will do everything to have his own way. That is the way he was birthed by the devil. That's why Jesus told the Pharisees, you are very religious. You are whitewash graves. That's the truth. So the fundamental lessons we learn. Okay. And the wages of sin is still death. It has never changed. Just because Jesus died on the cross, it does not mean wages of sin is death. Has been taken away. No, it's still death. The only thing is that if you believe on Him, the punishment is upon Him. If you don't believe on Him, the punishment is on you. Still on us. It is not on anybody else. Still on us. The only way there is a transference is when you look at the cross. You repent, you believe and plead the bread God says, okay. Otherwise, no, it's still on us. Okay. And there are two Mephisobats. Which one do you want to be? The one who will sit at the king's table and you will be spared judgment. And it's not just spared judgment, sit at the king's table and eat. Only why? Because there was a covenant. Seven others, including one Mephisovat, was because the covenant was broken. Another was saved because there was another covenant which overruled that covenant. There was an old covenant. Under the old covenant, all of us should be dead. None of us would survive. All dead. Dead has doornails. All of us. But that covenant was overruled by another covenant called the new covenant. So we who were Gentiles were so far away from the commonwealth of Israel has been drawn, drawn rear through Christ Jesus. One covenant overruled the other. Are you part of that covenant? And then there was this mother. That's why we talk about there's a love that never fails. Love that never fails. And we need to get into our hearts. Mothers and fathers need to get into our hearts. We give up so... I mean, it's not that we do not have it. We have it for the wrong things. I'm not saying all the things are. You need to invest in your children's education and everything. But if you do that without the other... That you are not interested at all in their spiritual being, in their ethical behavior, in their moral behavior. You are not interested that at all and you just say, "Ah, it is okay, they will come out of it. You know what, you are talking the language of the devil. devil. You are not talking the language of God. You stand in the gap and you watch over them when they are small. You watch over them and they are growing. Right? I, 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 I said that in one of the weekly meetings, you no? Know, because we see, the, de- the devil took Satan, uh, took Jesus up the mountains and he showed him the kingdoms of this world in a moment and the glory. See, it is not the kingdom, it is the glory. It's the gl- if there is no glory, people won't go after it. Why are we after things? Because of glory. Like I said, the simple, this thing, go all around Hyderabad. Do you see a Kabaddi Academy? Because there is no glory in kabaddi. Everywhere cricket academy. You know the sacrifice mothers and fathers you go through. Our, behind my office is the next generation. Morning by 6.30 I come all the one with packs you cannot bear. Mothers on bikes, fathers in cars. You know why? Because there is glory in cricket. We see glory in the things of this world. We see glory in the things of this world. If there is no glory in the things of this world, we would not invest in it. The problem is that we don't see glory in the things of God. We don't see glory in the things of God. We don't see the value of faith. We don't see the value of righteousness. We don't see the value of holiness. We don't see the value of godliness. We don't see value in these things. If we did, we would invest in it. That's why Jesus said, invest in treasures above. Don't put your money in things which are below; with rust and moth and rats will get in. Yes, you should study hard. But why do you study hard? You're not looking for the glory of the world. You're looking into the principles of working hard. Working hard. If you don't have in God the principle of working hard with ethics, with integrity, hard work and not gossiping and slandering and looking down on the other workers, it doesn't matter where you reach, you still have failed. You still have field. This is the whole principle. If you have come through that ethics of working hard, you are a hard worker, you have integrity, you have righteousness in your workplace, and you love your neighbor on your left, and you love your neighbor on your right, you will not sin against them or sin against them. It doesn't matter what job you hold. You are a good worker. So it doesn't matter whether Joseph is in his father's house, or Joseph is in Potiphar's house, whether he's in prison, or whether he's in Pharaoh. He's got the caliber because he's a good worker everywhere. It's a good worker. Everywhere. And that's all it matters in eternity. Because at that time God will say, well done my servant, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. Take charge of ten cities because I saw you. But Lord, I was just a class four employee. He said, yeah, you were, that's all. But I saw the way you worked. And somebody who reached a CEO of a company, he said, you, you know, I know you last minute you got and saved in, but you had no work ethics at all. You had no integrity, you were not a hard worker, you were smoking dope and you were using that and you were losing all kinds of stuff to do. Like they are having in the White House. Because the the FBI rules are that if you have to work in the White House, they will do a complete background check on you. So that if you have smoked dope for three years, you cannot serve in the White House. So, so many of the employees are asked, being asked to resign. So they are trying to lower the standard to say that if you haven't smoked dope for the last one year, you can be excused. So standards are being lowered in the world it doesn't matter how many states are legalizing marijuana it is still a federal crime so if you want to be vetted by the fbi if they ever find you that you have smoked dope they will not employ you and you know what they do they're changing the laws you know our god never changes the law it never changes heaven and earth will pass away heaven and earth will pass away not even a dot from the law of God. If you want to be employed under the law of God, you know what? There's only way, way. come under the blood. There's no other way. Come under the blood. Live in a life of confession, repentance, and plead the blood, and keep changing. My faith will not fail. I'm not looking for anything over here. God prospers me. God bless you. But even if you does not like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abhinav said, we will not bow. We will not go down to the standards of this world. Standards of this world. Okay. If you know that, there is no confusion. Why are Why are people confused? Why are young people confused? You know why? Because they're going by the laws of the world, which keeps changing. In the beginning, God created man and male and female. Now they're confused. They're confused. And they proudly say, I'm bisexual. Proudly say. Because the big thing in the campuses to say that you're bisexual. I'm not sure about my gender. Something to be proud about as a Christian? Can you stand in a hostile campus? Because you're going to go into universities. Can you stand? It's coming in everywhere. Your companies, it's all over there. All the IT companies, it is there. Can you stand alone in those companies? You think the days of Joseph and Daniel are not? It's already here. Question is, can you stand alone? Today is Pride Celebration Day. You say, I'm not part of it. I'm sorry. I'm very proud of how God made me. I'm good with it. I am not mocking you or anything, but I have made it very clear. This is it. Will you be able to stand? You are not abusing them. No, you are not. You love them, but you are very clear. This is who I am. Do you have the conviction to stand for these things? Days are not going to be easy. Or if you are a parent, don't bank on your children. Don't bank on your children. They are all good, cute now. But one day, 10 years from now, your daughter may come home and say, Dad, I think I am male today. What are you going to do? Stop loving them? I don't believe in what you say, but I still love. Oh, Sammy, you put this off. Now that's why it is so hot. You didn't have to do what I didn't tell you to do. Come. I was wondering why suddenly this place has become hot. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I just moved a little back. Okay. I was wondering what happened. Suddenly temperature has gone. I thought I was heated up. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Think about it. How will you handle it? I, 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 th- I think about Pastor Ken Christmas. His son calls him up one day and said, Dad, I am gay. Next thing he says after another day, I'm, I have joined the gay community. He left everything and joined the gay community. Father never gave up. Parents never gave up. They cried, they wept, they never saw their son. But they stood. This is what we are. We do not buckle under pressure. But we Prayed, prayed, prayed. Eight or nine years later, one day he called and said, Dad, I need you to pray over me. And he prayed over him. He was delivered. He came back. Completely changed. Full of the Holy Spirit. Never went back. But how many years? He washed over a dead body. Day and night. Without compromising. compromise. That's what God is talking about. In the days, last days it will be lawless. When it becomes lawless will your love grow cold? Will your love fail them? It's the question God is asking. Lawlessness is growing. God is looking for men and women who will stand up and say, you know what? I will stand. A simple lady called Rizvah Can challenge any one of us. Anywhere. Anytime. Because we fight for our living children. (laughs) She was fighting for our dead children. In Isaiah 49 verses 14 to 16. This is what God says. But Zion said the Lord has forsaken me. And my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. We've been studying about walls in the book of Jeremiah. Do you know that it is he who is building our walls continually? Just even your mother may forget you. May I forget you. It is true. Mothers forget these days. Forget these days. Just like I said, men, women, abortion is a national industry. It's a national sin and a national industry. Children are used to further your career. Angry fathers, bitter mothers, all that, they forgot. They forget. But God says, even if your mother forgets you, I will not. I will not. So there is a love that is greater than the love of a father or a mother. It's a love of God. And He says, you see, I have inscribed you. You are always before me. You know? That's what happened on the cross. Because 10 days from now, 12 days from now, it's Resurrection Sunday. Two Sundays from now, it's Resurrection Sunday. It's Good Friday. We're going through that season what made God do all those things why did God have to come and die for us why is our faces continually before him what is he doing because God's love never fails never fails in Psalm 121 3 and 4 he will not allow your foot to be moved. he who sleeps you will not slumber Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Resva, poor thing must have slumbered. Can't stay awake. Then she hears movement in the thicket. She wakes up. She must have kept a pile of stones after time to throw at birds and throw at animals. Keeping an eye always. But she also falls asleep. But we have a God who has never slumbered. He watches over us day and night. He knows the animals that are after us. He knows the demonic host, the plan day and night to destroy us. You know why we are alive and we are not destroyed? It's because he watches over us. We think we are standing. He says, no, you are not standing. I am holding you. That's why your foot is not moved. Because I neither sleep nor slumber. We, We boast about our health and our will and our all these things. But God says, you know what? None of those things. None of those things. It is I who watched over you day and night. Day and night. You did not allow a foot to be moved. Think about it. Think about a scene in your mind. There's a wind blowing on Mount Gibeah. The wind is blowing. When the wind is blowing, the bodies are swinging. And there is Rispa holding the legs of her son's snow. They shouldn't swing like that. I will not allow your foot to be moved. You are dead, but you're still my sons. I will not allow you to swing like that. Because these hands once had swung you to sleep. Now the shoulders are holding you that you don't swing over there. You know what our God says? I watch over you day and night. That's why your foot is not moved. Otherwise you'd be destroyed. You would be destroyed. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. There is attack against God's people day and night. The enemy has come with great wrath. 24-7 the attacks are going on. But you know what happens? He watches over us. He's the real RISPA. RISPA is just a... Just a picture, a type of God who watches over his children. Day and night, he watches over us. Therefore, we are not destroyed. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come to give you life. In verse 7, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. And he preserves my soul. He preserves our soul. You know, when certain things happen to us, and certain things don't happen like we want. You know why it's all? He's just preserving our soul. <laughs> just preserving our soul. You know, God is a shepherd of our soul. We are asked to surrender our bodies, but He is a shepherd of our soul. So sometimes He is tough with us. Sometimes He says yes. Sometimes He knows. But whatever He's doing, you know what He's doing? He's preserving my soul and your soul. He's watching over our soul. We need to understand that watching over our soul. He's the, he's the heavenly
2: response.
0: On Gibeah, seven sons of Saul were hung on a hill at Gibeah as atonement for the sin of King Saul. Seven sons they are hung on a hill at Gibeah as an atonement for the sins of the house of Saul. But on Mount Calvary, the Son of God was hung as atonement for all our sins. All our sins. See, it was also for atonement. We all sinned. Mount Gibeah, Mount Calvary. On Mount Calvary, the son who hung was not the son of man, it was the son of God. He was not sung because he had sinned. We had sinned. He was hung there. And out of there, our atonement comes. If you don't understand what happened on Calvary, our faith will fail us. If you don't understand what happened there, what caused God to do us, our love will fail us. Because the love of man won't do these things. Just to be the love of God in man. And David knew. David was the king who knew. In Psalm 27, verse 9 and 10. Because he was somebody who was rejected by father. Who was rejected by his mother. He was rejected by his wife. And he was rejected by his children. And he was rejected by his people. Remember that. Why? Because... Parents also reject one child and receive another child. If the father is a carnal man, a worldly man, and one child is spiritual and the other child is worldly, he will go with the worldly. That is Isaac. Jacob is spiritual. Isaac has become carnal. He goes with Esau or a mother. So that is a rejection within the family. That the day Saul, uh, Samuel came to the house, David was not even called. The father ignored him. The mother didn't remind the father too. It is only after the seven were rejected, they remembered the seventh fellow is there, but even when he was called there, they did not think he was good for nothing. Good for nothing. He was rejected by his father. He was rejected by his mother. Right? He was rejected by his wife. She's fussed, that's why. You know, Rispa comes over there in that history of Israel too. Ebner was asked by Isibosheth, Saul's son who's ruling after David is only ruling over Hebron while over one tribe while he's ruling over the rest of Israel. And he asked Ebner, did you sleep with my father's concubine Rizpah? Ebner is the commander of Israel's army. He said, how dare you say something like that? He says, you know what? I'm going to go over to David's house and hand you over. That is how the breakdown of Saul comes because Rizpah comes there too. The breaking down. You see, Rispa comes there also in history. Rispah comes in history. It's very interesting. Two pivotal points, she comes in history. So David has been rejected by his father and mother. He has been rejected by Michal. Remember, his first wife, the one who actually he loved, if she had, Saul hadn't done that stupid thing with him, he probably would have only married her and stayed with her. But she rejected him. And when Ebner comes back and he says, I will come along with you, he says, on one condition. I want Michal back. And she's already married to another man. And Ebner goes, commands, and takes her and returns. But he knows what it is to be rejected by father, by mother, by wife. And his sons rejected him. They all turned against him. Right? His people rejected him. You know what rejection is? He's somebody who has been rejected. That's why he says, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Okay. That's why God says There's somebody who loves you more than a father or a mother or a spouse or a child can love you. It is God. God. So what happened on Gibeah? What happened on Calvary? Kind of similar. But in Gibeah, what is different? Rizpah had no power to save the life of our sons. In Calvary, God had the power to save the life of his sons and he refused for our sake. David hung Somebody else's sons on the scaffold to get rid of the famine. God hung his own son to get rid of the famine in our lives. That's a difference. That's why the Bible says, what manner of love the Father has showered upon us. What kind of love? And that's why the cross is God's final call. If you reject the cross... God says there is nothing more can I can do for you. You reject the cross, that is the end. There's nothing more. You think about what more can God do? That's why he says, if anyone who does not believe in the Son of God, in meaning in what he has done for you, does not believe in it, is already condemned. This is God's final complete effort. After the cross, there is nothing God will do. Nothing God will do. In other words, it's nothing God can do. Because if you don't respond to the cross, that means love did not fail, you rejected that love. That's a love that does not fail. Love that does not fail. So this season, come back to the cross. That's why we have a Christianity today that hates the cross. Takes the cross away. Does not want to preach about the cross does not want to preach about the blood, does not want to preach about God's sacrifice. They have changed the nature of love, which is tolerant. Nature of love is, it's very intolerant. That's why his son had to die. It's very zealous. Very zealous. He does not. He died as our atonement. So this morning, let me have the worship team come up here. Let me see. Worship team come up over here.
2: My Lord, what love is this that pain so dearly that I, the guilty one.
1: of God
2: given for me. My death depends Wait
0: for us through his son.
1: Rispa refused to forsake
0: our children who were hanging there. Two of her sons, Armani and Mephisobet. Five other sons, when they were taken, they were rejected by their mothers. Probably they didn't want to share in that shame. But when they died, Rispa became their mother too. But on the cross, Christ was forsaken. Rispa did not forsake her children, but God forsook his son. There was a cry from the cross: My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God forsook his son on the cross. To receive us. Take a step towards the cross today. Take one step. If you want to surrender your life. Doesn't matter how many times you do. Keep doing it. One day you will realize. You will come forward and you will go back. Now the same again. You will know. Today was the day. God received me. I went so many times in my life. But today I know. God received me. God looks at our heart. He knows when our action, our heart meet. Some people have to go many, many times. I went in my life so many times went to God. So many times knelt before God. But one day I knew it was done. You never know how many times. Take a step today. Come to the front and I'll ask Sister Elsa to pray for you. Say, Lord, I want to surrender my life. For there is one who loved me more than Rispa loved her children. Who left heaven. Left the throne of heaven. Came down and lived among us. Sinless. Suffered on the cross. Died on the cross. Hung on the cross. Put to shame on the cross. Despised on the cross spat upon the face and you hung there for us. Today Lord I want to come to you. I want to surrender my love, my life to that love. Yes Lord we know everywhere around the world all people are looking for is that emptiness in their heart. They get addicted to things, they get addicted to people because they are looking for somebody who will love them. But nobody can love us the way you do. Nobody can or will ever love us. And David knew it. Even if our father and mother forsake us. Even if your spouse forsakes you. Even if your children forsakes you. There is one who will never ever forsake you. He said that to us. In Hebrews 13.5 I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Anyone who comes to me. The Father will in no ways cast you aside. It's a promise of God. It's an oath of God sworn in the blood of His Son. He will never go back. If you truly come to the Lord today and surrender your life saying, Lord, I don't know where I am going. You know, Lord. I have no control over myself. I need your help, Lord. Would you please touch me, Lord? Would you please take my life, Lord? Would you please turn my life around, Lord? I don't want to be the Mephibosheth who is hung. I want to be the Mephibosheth who sits at your table one day. I don't want to hear from you that day could be very close. Where you say, away from me, you workers of unrighteousness. I never knew you. I don't want to be that. I want to hear from your lips. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your father's joy. I want to hear that, Lord. There are two Mephizobads in the story. And we choose which one we will be. This season, enter into that covenant with God. Lord, I want to come to you. I want to confess. This is who I am. You set me free. You deliver me. You love me. I know that. I struggle even to love you. I struggle to walk by faith. All I can do is this hour. Come and surrender my life into your hands, Lord. Take my life, Lord. Use me, Lord. Pray, baby.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who are you? Who are we, my God? That you are mindful of us. That you love us when we call. Who are we, my God? A man, a woman of unclean lips. Heart above all things deceitfully wicked. But yet you love us. And this altar call was for us today. It was for us today. For salvation. Oh Lord, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, O oh Lord. Father, I pray, my God, the gift of repentance lay upon us today. The gift of the fear of the Lord rest upon us today jesus jesus break those chains today father break the chains today my god take the action cut it at the root my god let us recognize where we went wrong today let us confess to our heavenly father if we confess you are faithful and just to forgive us my god and this is a one-on-one with you my god with you and us my god it's a personal relationship It's the gift of repentance today, my God. I pray today, Father. I know many are struggling, my God. Many struggle, my God. Sins of omission, sins of submission. Oh, Father, be setting sin, my God. Oh, Father, I pray today, my God. We as a church want to serve you in spirit and in truth. We as a church, my God, oh, Lord, want to let the truth today, we as a church, that the truth set us free today, my God. Oh, Father, touch us today. Touch us, touch us today. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and I am no longer the same. Just a touch today, my God. Oh Lord, we will be persistent, my God. We will keep coming and knocking on heaven's door. We will keep coming, my God. Till we get it right, my God. Till we sin less and less every day. Till we get it right, my God. We want to get it right in your eyes. We want to get it right, my God. We want you to be pleased with our repentance. We want you to be pleased, my God, with our love. Our love for you, my God. Oh Father, to fall in love with you more and more each day, my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We truly don't want to speak words, my God. Just mere words, my God. But I want it to come from the heart today, Father. Oh, Father, I pray would you touch us today as a church. I pray would you touch us today, Father. Would you touch every heart today? Would you touch every mind today? Would you touch every tongue today, my God? Let the anointing flow, my God. Let us be slow to speak, quick to listen, my God. Oh, Father, I pray, let the word of God be deep-rooted in our hearts today, my God. Let it be deep, my God. Let it be deep. Let our love for you be deep, my God. Deep, call it unto deep, my God. Oh, Father, let it be deep in us today, my God. Help us today, I pray. Help us today, I pray. Help us, help us, my God. Some of us are hurting today, Father. Broken homes, broken relationships. But, my God, my God you came to heal the broken hearted you came to set the captives free. You came to release us from prison bondage, my God. Whether it be mind, whether it be the heart and the soul, you came to release us, my God. You came to give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for the garment of praise. There's a spirit of heaviness in this place today. And I pray today, let the anointing flow. Let it flow, my God. Let it touch us deep rooted in our hearts, my God. Let it touch us, my God. Let it touch us today, Father. We need a touch of you, my God. We need a touch from you today, my God. Oh Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, my God. My God, we love you. We need you. We need you every step of the way. We need you. My God, we want to sit at that table. My God, so Many of us are lame. Many of us are lame in the spirit. Many of us are down in the spirit. Many of us, my God, can only, can see clearly. The vision is not clear. Many of us, we can't hear right. Many of us are confused. Is this from God or is this from the Spirit? Many of us, many of us are confused children of God. Many of us, we are. We are. The flesh grows so strong that we forget, my God. We forget, my God, that we're led by the Spirit, my God, that we're led by the Spirit, my God. We forget. We forget, my God who we are in Christ Jesus, we tend to forget, my God. But I pray today, Father, let us be led by the Spirit today. Be led by the Spirit, my God. Let emotions die. Let this flesh die today. Let us die to self today. Die to self today. Die to self. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him today. Yes, Lord, drug addiction pornography, sins of the flesh, Jesus, deliver, deliver, my God, deliver this flesh, confused of our gender, we know God made male and female, we know he did, Adam and Eve, don't be confused of your gender today, don't be confused of who you are, God is not the author of confusion, He's the God of decency and order. There was order when he created us. We came out of our mother's womb in iniquity. Oh Lord, but you know, Father. Oh Lord, we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And Father, we know one thing, that you came. You came to die for us. And I pray we will not be confused. I pray, my God, everyone around the world that's listening today. You were not born a lesbian. You were not born a homosexual. You were not born transgender. You were born male and female. And I pray, would you surrender today? Would you surrender? Would you surrender? Would you surrender? Today, surrender. And let God touch your mind. Let God touch your heart. If you're struggling, with true agape love. To love. With pure, holy love. Agape love. Unconditional love. If you're struggling today, ask God to fill your heart with love, with compassion, with mercy. Empty the heart of flesh. Empty it today. Empty it. Empty it today. Empty that heart of flesh. Help. Empty. Empty today, Father. And fill our cup today. Fill it up and make it whole today, my God. Fill us with your power. Equip us today, my God. Empower us today, my God. Where sin abounds, grace abounds. Oh, Lord, pour out your grace upon us today, Father. Pour out your grace upon us, my God. That we will sin less and less every day, my God. Oh, Father, I pray, my God. Help us. Help us, I pray. I pray for the young men and women today, unmarried today. I pray, my God, that you touch their minds and their heart, my God. I pray today they heard the word. Today is the day. Harden not your heart. God is speaking to you today. You know who you are. I pray, Lord, it won't be outward appearance. I pray, my God. I pray, my God, help us. Help us, my God. If we have beauty outside and we are ugly inside, it means nothing, my God. It means nothing, my God, if we have an ugly heart. It means nothing. If we have a stone-cold heart, it means nothing. That's not love. That's not love. Jesus, touch hearts today. Touch hearts today. Set the captives free today. Heal the brokenhearted today, my God. Let them hear clearly as we heard the word today, my God. Help us to hear. Help us to hear, I pray. Give us clean hands and a pure heart today. Cleanse your hands today. Cleanse your hands today. Cleanse the heart today. Cleanse my God. Create in us a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within us. Cast not thy presence from us. Take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Against you, you only have we sinned and done evil in thy sight. We thank you. We thank you today, Father we thank you we thank you we thank you we take authority today father i
0: take authority in the name of jesus of nazareth i come against every power of darkness that is binding your children lord every spirit that is not of god i take authority in the name of jesus of nazareth and i speak deliverance i command you to take your hands off god's children they belong to god they have been set apart from God. Even our babies in the womb have been set apart from conception. For the word of God says, by the faith of the parents, they are holy, set apart from God. Take your hands off our children. They belong to God. I come against every spirit that opposes their destiny in Christ. The stealers of their destiny. That causes them to fall into drugs. Causes them to fall into drinking. Causes them to fall into addictions, into pornography into gambling or confusion about gender and sexuality these are unclean spirits i bind you in the name of jesus of nazareth and i command you to leave in jesus name and i pray all the children who have come forward today will offer their bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable in the sight of god And they will make a conscious separation today. They will not conform to the pattern of the world. But they will allow the spirit of God through the word of God to renew their minds. And they will start hearing from God. They will know what is the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Oh, I commit all the children who got baptized last month. I pray they will walk in the light of their baptism. Each day they will wake up and reckon themselves dead to sin. And alive unto Christ. And everyone here. It's a new beginning. God gave us one year. In this one year, so many millions died. So many millions died. The whole world was shut down. There was panic. And there was fear. And there was death. And there was mayhem in this world. But God brought us all through. Because he has a plan and purpose for every one of you. Everyone standing here. And surrender yourself to that plan and the purpose. Just say, Lord, here I am. Reveal your will to me day by day. I will walk in it. I'll walk in the light that you have sh- shown me, and you show me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And help me to love you. Yes. I give you permission, Lord, to circumcise our hearts. Yes. For you said, I will circumcise your heart that you love me with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. God will do it if you love him. And we will love God, and that love will never fail us. Oh Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Once again, I commit the church here, all the churches, everyone who is watching, I commit them into their hands, O oh, Lord. Oh Lord, that you would bless them, and you would keep them, and you would enlarge in them, Lord. This is the year of stretching. This is the year you said you would enlarge in us, and I believe you will enlarge in us this year, Lord. People will grow in the spirit. They will bring more people into the kingdom of God. And everyone who had this sorrow that I have never brought a person to Christ in my life, this is the year God will break that barrenness in your life. You will shout. You will sing. Because God will use you to bring other people to the kingdom of God. God will use you to bring your friends in your school and college. God will use you to bring your colleagues into the kingdom of God. Believe in the promise. This is the year and the hour of God's redemption. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. And I pray your spirit would rest upon every father and mother here. That they would never give up on their children. They would never give up on their children. Yes, they may look. They are dead to God. Only alive to the world. They have no interest in God. They are all purposes. They are dead. But we don't give up. We don't give up like the Shunammite woman. We don't give up like Rispa. We don't give up like the parents of the prodigal son. We don't give up. And one day we will see life come back. One way, one day we will see honor and dignity being restored to our next generation. And out of them will come a great generation who will serve God like never the world has seen. They will come out of the streets. They will come out of the gambling dens. They will come out of the addiction parlors. They will come out of all those places and they will stand for God and the world will see a generation that serves God. We prophesy that over our children, Lord. All our children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace, Lord. We bless your people in your name. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.